So, um, so Psalm 63 this morning in the Bible that's got Holy Bible written on it only, it's um, page 409. And if you've got the square, the Bible with the square on the front, it is 579. Psalm 63. O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And, I, and in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Snickers really satisfies. We know that slogan. Snickers really satisfies. It's an advertising slogan that feels so right and yet, oh, so wrong. Snickers really satisfies. Just thinking of that chocolatey, gooey, fudgy goodness. Mmm, you can't help feeling it's going to satisfy. I'd really like one right now. Chocolate bars and sermons, eh? Snickers... How could it satisfy? It's filled with sugar, chocolate, salt and peanuts. The things that we know produce cravings rather than satisfy. The things we know that increase thirst rather than slake it. Snickers claims not just to satisfy but to really satisfy. Has, have you ever wondered why they still sell them then? I have a friend who used to buy Snickers at least once a week. He'd come in with his Snickers and I'd be like, so, didn't really satisfy, did it? Because it was back. Of course, we know a chocolate bar can't really satisfy. At worst, the advertising's a lie. At best, it just misunderstands what it means to be really satisfied. Because whatever you eat or drink, you know you're going to be hungry or thirsty again, especially if it's chocolate, salt and peanuts. You know, false promises of satisfaction can really stuff people up. Our feelings of satisfaction go down just by watching ads. That's been proven. A professor in economics, Andrew Oswald, showed that in the years where a nation's total advertising spend went up, that nation's happiness went down as a result. Its citizens reported feeling less happy, less satisfied, when they were exposed to more and more advertising. You see, when we think we need something new, when we're told that something will satisfy, but it's just a glorified Snickers bar we are less satisfied whether we get that thing or not. It seems we're so hooked on finding satisfaction that we're looking in all the wrong places. 
Snickers, it seems, comes in a range of options. When you get your new TV and you thought it could really satisfy, then you saw your neighbour got a bigger one. When you were hanging for that pay rise, you thought it would really satisfy, uh, but a few months later it turned out to be just another Snickers because you're back in debt. When you see others get a promotion or a new boyfriend or a new dress and you're wondering whether that sort of thing could really satisfy, they're just another Snickers. And today's psalm speaks right into this problem, written by a man 2,800 years ago. Psalm 63 finds David in a dissatisfied state. The subscription of the psalm tells us that much. In fact, uh, the Hebrew Bible puts it as verse 1. We tend to gloss over it when we're reading. Did you see? Psalm 63, a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. He was in the desert. That same word is sometimes translated wasteland or wilderness. Very little water, no shade, little access to food, no comfort. David even describes it as such in a dry and parched land where there is no water. It's never great to be in a desert, but David was probably under extra pressure We read in the books of Samuel that times that David went into the desert, he was often on the run. He was being chased by King Saul first and later by his own son, Absalom. And the desert has been a difficult place for David's ancestors as well. The word here used for desert is the same word to describe where God's people wandered back in the story of Exodus and Numbers. In fact, the original title of the book of Numbers is called In the Desert. In both cases, David and Israel could have thought their satisfaction would come from the next meal, the next drink of water, or an end to that war, or even just a steady supply of those things. But what does David say is his most pressing need here? Is it a lack of water, of food, of shelter from the sun? Let's, let's look again at verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. It may be a dry and parched land, but David recognises his biggest need is for God himself. And because it's a dry and parched land, David constructs a metaphor here around thirst. He thirsts for God. His thirst for God is dire. He ranks it number one. Verse one, my soul thirsts for you. It's not just a passing need, but it's rocking him to the very core. David is spiritually thirsty thirsting for God. He thirsts for relationship with his creator. So David's thirst for God is spiritual. But his thirst is also bodily. Did you see? My body longs for you. Soul and body longing for God. We don't often think about our bodies needing God. We think about God in a spiritual sense. Do we need God the way we need a drink of water? 
Water would be useful in the desert, yes, but David is thirsting bodily for God. Even in a land of no water, David's thirst is for God. Now, some of you might be asking, you know, is this really the person's greatest need? Surely the greater need is water. How how could it be God? Some of you might know psychologist Abraham Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. He suggested that food, water and sleep, that's the basic, that's the baseline. That's the essential need which must be met before we can move on to higher order needs like relationship. Is that how you see it? Maslow makes some sense. I mean, I might like texting my friends, but if I was dying of thirst, there would come a time when I'd hand over that phone in exchange for a cool drink of water. At, At least I hope that that would come. Maslow would say, your basic need is food and water first, but David says there is a greater need still. Maslow might say that relationship is a higher order need, but what does David say here? Relationship with God is his primary need that must be satisfied even in a desert. His thirst is for God, body and soul. David knows he can't survive without God. Let's just recap here. In verse 1, David is saying his need for God is so great that even in a land where there's no water, God is his highest priority. How can he be so sure that it's God that he needs? Well, to answer, he draws on his experience of God from verse 2. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. David has witnessed God's power firsthand. Even though David might be hungry, thirsty, under attack, he knows that God is the key to his rescue. He knows this from his experience. As verse 2 says, he has beheld God's power and glory. The Bible's history books recall how David beheld God's power and glory How David was filled with the Spirit of the Lord and it was powerful. David has felt that power when, as a scruffy teenage shepherd, he killed a bear with his own hands. How he killed a lion with his own hands. How he killed the most mighty warrior of the Philistines, the mighty Goliath. He'd gone on to fight and win battle after battle. Each time he recognised it not as his own work, but as the power of the Lord. Now, you may not have killed a bear, right? But many of you have beheld God's power. You have felt and observed healing in your life. You've seen lives changed. You've seen rescue You each have stories of 
time and again when you were in trouble and God came to your aid. You see God at work every day in creation, in feeding 7 billion people, in providing us with satisfaction. I'm not talking about a temporary need though. Food and water, it turns out, don't really satisfy compared to God. They're just a Snickers bar. We'll need them again and again. But David looks to God because God provides him with something that lasts forever. God's love is eternal. It doesn't run out. And David's confidence extends to the following verses where he's moved to praise, to rejoice, to trust in God's future provision. In verse 5, David points out, My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. Did you know this is not about providing food? It's not that David said he's confident his soul will be satisfied with the richest of foods. His soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. It's metaphorical. Well, well, for you grammar pedants, it's a simile. David's trust in God is not conditional on being provided with food. No, he has satisfaction which is much more eternal. Friends, I can tell you the satisfaction that David was seeking is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fulfilment of the satisfaction mentioned in this psalm. And as you might have heard me say previously, he's the hero of the whole Bible. Jesus knew about hunger and thirst as well. But Jesus possessed a satisfaction that was permanent, eternal, far more than you get from any single meal. And he offers to share that satisfaction with those who follow him. In John chapter 4, Jesus met a woman who was collecting water from a well. Listen to what he said to her. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus offers more than just a drink. He offers eternal satisfaction. But that's just one example. Listen to John chapter 6 where Jesus told his followers this, I am the living bread that comes from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. When Jesus talks about giving bread and water, He clearly doesn't just mean temporary satisfaction. To paraphrase, Jesus really satisfies. His flesh satisfies forever and his water is eternal life. To those who eat it, they will live forever and will be sustained daily. This gives us a fresh angle on the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread Because the bread we need is the bread Jesus offers, as he described it, his flesh, which he gives for the life of the world, his flesh, which sustains us daily for eternity. What is this food 
that really satisfies. When Jesus talks about giving his flesh, he's talking about his own death where he suffered and died on a Roman cross. In going to the cross, Jesus completed an amazing transplant. Jesus, Son of God, perfectly obedient, is the only human who has ever deserved eternal satisfaction. Each of us, on the other hand, deserves rejection, deserves frustration for all of our faults and sins and transgressions. Yet Jesus chose instead that he would be subjected to the frustration that we deserved and we would receive the eternal satisfaction that he deserved, eternal life with God. Jesus agrees with what David says in this psalm. God's love is better than life. And so Jesus gave up his life to secure God's love for us who don't deserve it and didn't even realise we needed it. Jesus gave his flesh to provide what David thirsted for in this psalm, full and complete and eternal access to God the Father, who is the source of all good things, who is the one who alone can truly satisfy. Through Jesus, we have a blessing that we could never deserve, that we could never earn, That price is paid, the work is done, and now we have an eternal supply of what we need most, relationship with our loving God. Do you want to be truly satisfied? Then follow Jesus' own advice and take up the offer of his flesh given up for you on the cross to provide everything you need for eternity. And because God has revealed himself to us through Jesus, we can now have hope for the future too, just like David did. From verse 9 through to 11, back in Psalm 63, those who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Yes, this uh, view of eternity is not quite the way we would express it. But the way David expresses it is appropriate. Even though David was in a dire situation, at risk, in the desert, he looked forward to a day when justice would come, when there would be eternal restoration a day when God's opponents would be punished, a day when justice would come and vindicate his position. That day of justice is coming. And for you, this might be the last time that you get to choose between the two options before you. Verse 9 is an image of what will happen to God's opponents. When the Psalms talk about the one who opposes God's king and seeks his life, It's equivalent to opposing God himself. Those who seek David's life are those who oppose God. Does that include you? Yes, sure, you might not be seeking to kill King David. But do you stand in opposition to God, preferring instead to set your own rules and govern your own life? 
This psalm points to a time when those who oppose God, who choose to set their own path, will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword. They will be left for wild animals. These are scary images. Images that help us understand what God's judgment will be like for those who oppose him. The judgment is coming. But, have you noticed? If you are in opposition to God, there's already a cost. Because you're ignoring the eternal satisfaction that God offers. You're instead chasing the Snickers bar. Instead of feasting on the bread of eternal life, eternal satisfaction, God's opponents are seeking satisfaction in their next meal, in their next job, in their next drink, in their next win, all the while never quite sure whether it will last, never quite sure that they have eternal satisfaction. If you don't put God at the centre of your life, you will never be truly satisfied. That's the very real consequence now of being God's opponent. To quote a song from a few years back, there's a God-shaped hole in all of us, and it's a hole that only God can fill. If your life is just chasing the next meal, the next drink, the next relationship, the next promotion, the next house you will never be truly satisfied. Satisfaction is found in God. And verse 11 has the alternative. All who swear by God's name will praise him. True fulfilment is found in swearing by God's name. I don't just mean mouthing words like a spell. I mean swearing allegiance to God. Submitting to him as the one who gives true satisfaction. Don't just take David's word for it either. This is echoed throughout the Bible. In Romans chapter 10, there's elegant simplicity. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10.13 We heard it from Jesus a little earlier too. Whosoever believes in him shall never thirst. You have a choice. Oppose God and be dissatisfied or swear by his name and be satisfied for eternity. You may have made that decision in the past, but that is a decision that will keep coming back to you every day, every day of your life, as each day you weigh up the eternal satisfaction of Jesus with the temporary satisfaction of that this world has to offer. Those of you who are in the workforce, you might say you belong to Jesus, but have you bought into the idea that the next promotion will be the one that truly satisfies? Have you bought into the idea that that second or third house, that new car will be the one that truly satisfies? You could be chasing a job or a house, uh, you could be searching for a husband or a wife or eagerly awaiting a child. These things are good, but if you're looking for them as the thing that will truly satisfy, they won't. You'll come up short. It could be even more simple. Kids, you could be chasing that next hit of TV or that extra few minutes of screen time 
or that new social media account. It's not just kids, is it? But if you see that as the thing that truly satisfies, you'll come up short. Don't be fooled into thinking that you'll find satisfaction in something other than God. Don't be fooled because rather than satisfy you, those things are just temporary. You'll come up short. They won't satisfy you. And worse still, if they take your eyes off God, then they will be hurting you. If what you chase gets between you and God, then it's time to turn back and swear your allegiance to him. It's time to put God back in the centre, to thirst for him more than you thirst for water, food or shelter. What's it look like to put God back in the centre of the picture? Here's three areas for you to ponder. Do you make time to rest in God like you make time to rest in front of the TV? I think we don't spend enough time resting in God. We're all about doing. I speak to myself. We're all about what we can do for God and not so much about who we are in God. Take the time this week, tomorrow morning, this afternoon, to rest in silence in God, knowing that he eternally satisfies. You need chase nothing more. Do you chase financial security rather than exploring the eternal security that God has provided for you? Financial security won't fulfill like Jesus does. And what influences you more? We've spoken about influences already this month. Are you more influenced by what advertising tells you you need or what the Bible tells you you need? Maybe it's time to choose what you look at. Choose what you listen to and commit to seek refreshment in God rather than in temporary pleasures. Psalm 63 refocuses us, refocuses our attention on the God who loves us through the words of David in the desert. Alone, afraid, hungry and thirsty, David looks to God as his first and most precious need. In the words of the hymn, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Or in today's vernacular, Christ really satisfies. Everything else is one Snickers bar after another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us heed the advice of Psalm 63, that you alone are our treasure, that you alone are our satisfaction. Lord, may we long for you. May we find satisfaction in you that lasts for eternity. Lord, thank you for the offer of satisfaction that you have given us in Jesus and his flesh given up for us. May we find satisfaction in that and not in temporary pleasures. In Jesus' name, amen.